I, I, you know, I was thumbing through your book and I saw that statement you make at the very beginning when you're writing about olive oil and you say, as passionate as I am about Italian food and wine, I'm most obsessed with encouraging the use of high quality olive oil. Why is this so important? Nothing can change the flavor of anything you eat every day when you switch to a better and higher quality olive oil. A fried egg, a leaf of lettuce, um, a drizzle on top of anything you have left over. Nothing can change the flavor of anything you eat more than a better quality extra virgin olive oil. Tell us about the types of oil you keep in your own kitchen, the, you know, the range of flavors that you seek. What do you have? I have almost everything that you can imagine in my pantry, lots of them. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm forever curious about why an olive oil from here or there there's taste this way or that way. Um, just like wine. I mean, can you imagine drinking the same wine every day? Uh, every dish deserves a completely different type of olive oil because it depends on what is it that you're doing to it and, and what, what ingredients are you putting together on your dish. I'm thinking about the, the things that you do to the olive oil, not what you don't do to it. I'm focused on the positives of the olive oil, not on the negatives, which unfortunately a lot of people do. Yeah, I mean, so you know that there's this range of flavor in olive oil, depending on when it's harvested, where it's grown. But so many chefs use just one oil in their kitchen. How can you persuade them to experiment, to explore more of the variety in olive oil? You know what is one of the worst things that can happen to your palate is consistency. When everything tastes the same and every dish will have the same flavor, there's nothing better than to experiment with wonderful olive oils that then, depending on the time of the year, depending on what season it is, depending on how you feel, you just either cook with this, cook with that, do this to it, or finish it with that. So I think the most important thing is to just think of olive oil as the ultimate ingredient, because that will salt or take your food to the next level. Yeah, you made that other statement in your book where you said the quality of, of the quality of the oil used is as important to a recipe success as any of the other ingredients. Could you talk about that a bit more? How do you how do you convince chefs of that? Convincing chefs has taken me 32 years and I'm still on it, as you well know. But uh, the convincing chefs to switch to a better and, and higher quality olive oil has almost been my, my life uh, challenge and my, my entire sort of mantra. It, it takes until you put it in somebody's mouth to 
for them to say, oh, yum, I didn't know that broccoli tasted that good until you drizzle it with some really good extra virgin olive oil made in a way that would actually exalt the flavors of that oil. I think the worst thing that we're doing to ourselves is just homogenizing our taste buds. It's just making everything taste the same. And I love to think of olive oil as a roller coaster ride. You know, every, every time I say, oh, maybe I'll use this one today, or maybe I'll use that one today. And then you discover new flavors, new nuances, and new, new emotions you never had. Yeah, another thing that struck me in your book was that you talk about using olive oil generously. I think so many American cooks, you know, they talk about drizzling or a few drops or they, please, would you talk about that a bit more? One must overpour. You, you, it's, why not splurge when you are actually doing something that it's absolutely delicious with something that is perfectly yummy and delicious and green and full of energy. And, and I just, I can't imagine uh, why would you want to skim on, on that kind of uh, flavor? It's actually the, the most delicious green fat energy that we could put in our body. So just overpour. You have already um, hinted a little bit that there are different oils for different dishes in your mind. Would you, let's get specific. Would you talk about some examples of where you use a certain type of oil with a certain type of dish? If I have uh, the desire to have a steamed uh, fish, let's say, I found a delicious Dover sole the other day, which was outrageously beautiful. And then I just poached it or, you know, or I used my little steamer and I just put it on my plate and I used a very mild, on the verge of sweet uh, olive oil. Um, then all of a sudden I found some incredible larugula, but when I tasted it, I tasted it raw first. I went like, oh my God, this thing is so pungent. It's so spicy. I mean, it was delicious, right? Then I said, oh, I need something that is not gonna make it even more bitter. But so I chose a little bit of a more aromatic, aromatic, sorry, um, uh, olive oil that would exalt that that sort uh, that aroma. Um, in the winter time, I feel that uh, when I do my first uh, steamed broccoli, I want to make that broccoli really angry and bitter, and because I feel that I'm uh, I need to store uh, that bitter flavor into my body and my taste buds. So I, I take it, I kick it up a notch, like they say, right, in America. <laughs> and so it, it, it all depends on how you feel that olive oil will play with the flavor profile of the dish that you're making. Remember, olive oil is an ingredient. It's not, it's not the, the sort of like, 
it doesn't, nobody does that whole sensory tasting and sniffing and swirling and spitting and, and those horrible tasting noises that people make because you, you have to use it. It's a, it's, it's a food item. It's, it's part of your dish. And so that's why I keep on going back to that thing of it, it, will, get, it will take your food to the next level if you choose appropriately uh, an olive oil that befits the flavor profile of the dish that you're making, including ice cream. As you well know, I, I have, you know, one of my most imitated uh, recipes is just putting olive oil with basil and fleur de sel on, on, on gelato. And what type of olive oil works best in that uh, example? Uh, that one, I would like something that you can really taste that is very robust. Because what happens is then when it touches that, that cold surface, that oil becomes almost like uh, close to gelatinous. And, and it becomes a, a taste bomb as well. So it becomes umami. It, it, the, the greenness of the very robust olive oil together with the salt and the sweetness of the gelato to me makes it that nowhere land that are taste bad, you know, <laughs> that, that tastes really good. More examples of dishes where the olive oil really makes the dish sore. Oh. Uh, maybe some specific, rather specific. than some specific dishes. Specific. So in a banya calda, because it's going to have an incredible amount of flavor from the anchovies and the garlic, you would use a mild flavor olive oil because the olive oil is going to be the emulsifier. The same thing with a pesto. If you're making a summer beautiful pesto and your basil is very pungent, you don't want to, I mean, the, the, the olive oil becomes the emulsifier. You're going to add garlic, pine nuts, and, and um, you know, lots of basils and parmigiano. So you need a mild one. Uh, if you're going to move up the ladder and make a spaghetti with olive oil, garlic, and pepperoncino, and that olive oil is going to be the only emulsifier, that becomes the sauce. You want to make sure that you're using a really good medium range olive oil because that's, that's going to taste better. And so if then you move even higher up the ladder to have the oil. So for me, I consider it oils that are being cooked and oils that are be, you're eating raw. So mild or, you know, that could be in the raw with the pesto, then the ones that you cook with, and then you get into the ones of my salad. Now, now I'm starting to pay attention. Now I'm starting to go into the medium range because sometimes, you know, you just find greens or you bought too many greens and then you need to liven them up. You, you need something to lift their flavor profile in that little mixed green salad. And then you need definitely a robust olive oil during the winter times in order to make sure that that 
that those beans and the and the broccoli and the kale salads and the and all these uh, dandelion greens and 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 long cooked stews will be finished with a beautiful drizzle of olive oil that is raw and that is not cooked. Would you also talk about olio nuovo a bit and let's educate chefs a little bit about how to use that, how to maximize, because, you know, it's pretty expensive. How do you maximize the uh, impact of that olio nuovo? Well, the thing is that olio nuovo, the whole idea of olio nuovo became when basically I had it for the first time 32 years ago here in Tuscany. And I had it for the first time raw at a most intense phase. And here um, everybody celebrates the, the happening of Folio Nuovo when it's just, it burns. It just burns down your throat. And so we started to bring it in and by air. And, and the whole idea is that that entire celebration around here we're going into the winter months. This is when we need to celebrate um, this rite of passage that we're gonna go into of, of, of we need as much green inside of us as possible. And so um, the sooner the better, that's what it's called. And I call it Olio ASAP. You know, we need to overpour, overdrench, and my my chin is extremely glossy during those months. <laughs> what other characteristics are you looking for in the olive oils you purchase for for Manic Ready? Apart from that, you know, mild, medium, robust. Yeah. I think that one of the things that has um, interests me so much over the thirty-two years of buying and shipping oils across the Atlantic from different parts of Italy. What, what interests me is the concept that not many people would apply to olive oil of terroir. And I think that that's what is very important. We need to understand that two producers next to each other in the same area will make the same blend of olives that would taste extremely different. It's just like wine. We have to remember, I mean, you can make a 100% Chardonnay in the Napa Valley, but they all taste different, right? So I'm, I'm very interested in flavor profiles and how do they use them first when I find them and when I taste with them and, and how do they fit as a harmony of flavors within everything else that I have tasted. So, you know, we're not actively looking for more olive oil and looking for more uh, uh, producers, but when it comes to the point that I tasted something in Sicily that was full of tomato leaf, full of tomato. It was like, like a green tomato explosion. And I had said no to them before. I tasted that oil and I said, oh my God, this is incredible. I never tasted that before. And we're, you know, we're doing really well with, with, with that oil because it fits that 
flavor that I want to pour over my tomatoes during the hot summer months on the insalata caprese, on a tomato salad, on panzanella, or on, on anything that has summer flavors. Because it gets, it's almost like on the verge of sweet, but it doesn't taste that way. And back in November, when, when I tasted it, I got to taste that way in March. I love hearing you talk about um, choosing oils and, uh, to some extent based on the season, that in winter you want different oils than you do in summer. Would you just talk a little bit about that, please? Yeah, I, I, I sort of feel that, you know, there's, there's, there's a coral, I don't know what it is, in my nostrils, in my mouth, or in my stomach, or with the a, with a produce. I'm, I'm extremely seasonal. Uh, compared to most, I refuse to eat tomatoes in the winter time, and and I overindulge in broccoli, dandelions, and bitter greens instead. Um, so I and that's when usually the olive oil has been freshly pressed, and and to me those oils they scream bitter, which unfortunately in America has such a bad connotation, that word. Bitter in Italy is a beautiful word. It's called amaro. And amaro can have two connotations, right? It's bad amaro, such as a burnt toast, or a good amaro, like arugula or, or kale or or that after dinner drink that you need, you know, the artichoke cards and, and everything in between. So I love that kind of bitter. Bitter is a beautiful flavor. Unfortunately, I don't understand why in America has such a bad connotation and such a bad rap. I mean, it's it's good for you. It's It's medicinal to me. It's almost like balsamic, you know, it's just, it's just, it feels like I'm storing green energy to get me through the cold, dreary winter months. I'm not, I mean, I'm not concentrating on the negatives. I'm only looking for the negative, for the positives. So how could I use that really wonderful bitter flavor and serve it on what? So I put it on sliced steak, on, on beans, on, on, you know, kale, on long stewed um, soups. It's, it's, you, you gotta take the positive of it and, and push it that way. And then as the winter comes into spring and then the asparagus have come into the stores and, you know, to my vegetable lady, or, you know, here we have like, uh, agretti or, or or asparagus or or fava beans. Well, you you know by then you had too much of that, and so you're looking for a little bit of a, a nuance of a, a green grass and and more um, softer greens, and so that you can taste that. So you put them at an equal level. That that green asparagus to that, that olive oil, so that they pair beautifully. 
And then as the summer comes about, well, you know, the olive oil has already started to become a wonderful, soft, uh, delicious, unctuous uh, nectar. And, and the tomatoes, I mean, they, they deserve something sweeter. And so I move into more sweeter, um, more um, kind of like candy-like. I mean, the kind of, the one that I, that I drink by the spoon, you know, <laughs> because they're, they're, it's more of a sauce, but it has to be a good sauce, you know, it's that, that thing of, uh, uh, it's, it becomes a, uh, an enhancer of the flavors of the tomatoes, the mozzarella, the basil, and it doesn't cover them. So, and then by the time that September and October comes about, I'm, I'm, I'm usually out of olive oil and I'm waiting for the next one. A beautiful answer, thank you. Let's end with a, a bit of a fantasy where you're having some people over for dinner. They're, let's imagine that they're vegetarians and you're gonna make a meal uh, for them and that would show sort of the progression of olive oils, how you use olive oil maybe in each dish. Can you fantasize about a menu? What I would do is I would set up a meal that takes them on a roller coaster ride of uh, extra virgin olive oil flavors. Um, first, you start with something that would allow them to be exposed to a really great olive oil. And it would be in the form of um, many types of salads, uh, great pincimonio, which is a plate of crudités with a bowl in the middle where they can dip the crudités that has a little bit of fleur de sel inside. And, you know, anything that is uh, a cornucopia of dishes, of everything raw and only with the best olive oil you have. Because you want to, like, make them go, wow, this is so incredible. I never tasted anything like this before. By then, their taste buds are so glaring and green and you know like so alive you want to serve them maybe a little bit of pasta with pesto right the basil it's you know there's a little bit of uh the, the it's still raw you're still eating raw olive oil because you're not cooking it and so you're tossing the pasta and you you know with some green beans and and, and little cute potatoes, like a road in Autentico, right? So you just, and, and by the way, that picture, you know, an Autentico is that, is to scale. So that's one portion in it. So raw pesto, steamed green beans, potatoes, and trofie, you toss it. You're eating raw, you're still eating raw olive oil. Then you have a wonderful platter of grilled uh, uh, eggplant or, or grilled vegetables, let's say. You, you do like, I, there's a wonderful way that you can do like a, a lasagna made out of vegetables, right? So lots of grilled vegetables all piled up on each other and then you cut them in square. But they've been baked, 
with lightly brush and a mild olive oil, and then you bake them. But at the dinner table, you're drizzling really great olive oil at the end. A medium olive oil would be great. And then for dessert, I would make a lemon granita, and I would drizzle some fantastically delicious sweet olive oil, and then tear up some basil leaves if you want, or mint, or um, any kind of wild herb you have in your garden. So, Wow, what a meal. <laughs> that sounds beautiful. <laughs> Rolando, it's been great chatting with you. Oh, God, I'm so honored. I'm so honored you thought of me. Well, I, you would be a great spokesperson for um, lavish use of olive oil. How can we try to focus on what it is instead of what it isn't. Let's focus on, on what you taste, just like what it is on wine tasting, right? Let's try to figure out a way that we can stop the compare and contrast game and tell me what is it that you're tasting and what you wanna do with it. Because I think that once we get over that hurdle, people will move to the next level because nobody will be judging them. There's no right or wrong or taste. It's, taste is subjective, it's not objective.